I'd like to say to the new students and to the students who have not been here more than a year or two, in the early days of this school, uh, we just built our philosophies as we went along. For instance, we'd get an idea and drill it into our students. I had the whole responsibility in those days. And I didn't know anything about a school. All I did was to borrow the brain of educators to standardize the work and do the teaching. And we just launched out. We made a great many mistakes in those early days. We're still making them and always will make some mistakes. But we did build a school on the right kind of Christian philosophy. We appealed to red-blooded men and women that wanted to do something and stand for something in the world. Now, I wouldn't have known how to have done that if it had not been for my background of evangelistic experience in dealing with the masses of people. Now, it's been suggested here by the old students that we were not drilling into these younger students that have been here recent years as much of that old philosophy as we used to drill into them. Well, I said it isn't necessary anymore like it was in those old days. First place, we have an organization now. We have an administration. We have teachers here that have the philosophy in slant, and many of them have been trained in the school. And so it's not always necessary for us to do that. But I have, after prayerfully considering the matter, felt it would be a good thing this semester to take some of those outstanding statements that we drilled into the students of the early days and drill them into the students again who have heard them and drill them into students who never have heard them. All right. Now, here's what I want to talk to you about this morning. It's somewhat in line with yesterday, though a little different. The door to the room of success swings on the hinges of opposition. Now, I'll say it again, and you remember it. And that's absolutely true. That, that statement's true. The door to the room of success swings on the hinges of opposition. Now, in the first place, uh, what do we mean by success? We don't mean what the world means. You don't mean when you talk about success, if you have a Christian slant on life, what the world means. The world thinks of success in the terms of gold and silver, a lovely home and uh, plenty of money and a prosperous business and a big name. That's the way we evaluate men from a worldly standpoint. For instance, if I said to you, Mr. So-and-so was here yesterday, you say, well, he's a very successful man. I know him. He's made a lot of money. He lives up in my town. Well, he may be the biggest failure you know and have all the money he's made. Now, success is not making money. You may make money while you succeed, but that's not success. That's incidental. On the road of success, you may find wealth, but finding wealth isn't succeeding. It, you just come across it on the road. Getting honors, uh, uh, that's not success. When the roll call of eternity is heard, you're going to find a many a woman that lived in obscurity nobody ever heard of, a name never got in the paper, who will make the headlines in heaven and stand out uh, more prominent than, in the sight of God than a great many people down here that made the headlines here. Now, let's remember that. And I want you to get the Christian uh, understanding of success. So when you go out in life and talk about success, you'll know what you're talking about. Now, what would we as a Christian group call a successful man? Who is a successful man? A successful man from a Christian standpoint is a man that finds the will of God for his life and does it. That's a successful man. A successful woman is a woman who finds out what God wants her to do and, and steps up to God and says, I'm ready to take my orders and do what you want me to do. Now, if you are in the place God wants you, where God puts you, now you listen to me. If you're where God put you, 
and will do the job faithfully in the place he puts you, you'll be a successful man. You may not be a famous man. Uh, you may never get to be a prominent person in the world, but you'll be a successful man. And you'll be a happier man than the man that makes the headlines in this world and is outside the will of God. I remember a man I knew one time made a million dollars. And back in those days when a million dollars meant something. And I used to look at him and think about a man being a millionaire. And then his children grew up and went to the devil. I never shall forget it. Every one of them stepped on his heart. His wife died of a broken heart. He made all that money. But he is out of the will of God because he wasn't right with God. And sometimes wicked men, men who are not right with God, do prosper materially. You know, the devil took Jesus up on a high mountain and said, Look over yonder, I'll sell you all that real estate. That land over yonder, I, I have a title to it. Uh, not a permanent title, by the way. It wasn't his by rights. He, he hadn't bought it, he hadn't made it. But he usurped it, and he was, a, he was a usurper on the land. He was a squatter, so to speak, and we'd say out west. He went out and sat down on it. And people said, all right, they didn't push him out. He looked around and said, I'll give it all to you. Now, the devil can deliver some things in this world. He has a great deal of money in, in, under his control. Now, it isn't his money. It's God's money. The devil never put in his silver or gold in any mine. But a lot of it's his. I mean, he's in control of it. The devil has a lot of the high seats in the governments of the world. that He can deliver to man. And when he offered Jesus Christ the kingdoms of this world, he could have at that time delivered them temporarily. And right now, today, he can deliver nations to people. He's delivered Russia to the devil. Now, don't misunderstand me. We're getting into delicate field here because some young Christian may not understand. Uh, the devil doesn't own Russia. The devil can only operate by the permissive will of Almighty God. But God permits man uh, to go under the direction of the devil sometimes. And God permits governments to accept the leadership of the devil. No question about that. That's what Germany did for the war. And that's what Russia's done now. And, and in America, the devil's got a pretty good foothold. Don't fool yourself. You know, we talk about this being a Christian nation. This isn't a Christian nation. Now, don't misunderstand you. The glorious thing about America is you can be a Christian in America. Nobody bother you. I mean, they don't bother you as an American. They'll bother you as a sinner. But if they're sinners, and you're right with God. But you're not persecuted in America by Americans as Americans because you're a Christian. You know, in God we trust and we have freedom of worship. You've got a freedom to be an atheist in this country, and a freedom to be a Jew or a, a Protestant or a Catholic, a freedom to go back on God, a freedom uh, to rebel against Almighty God. But you do have a privilege of being a Christian. It's a glorious opportunity we have in this nation to have that sort of privilege. Think of the opportunity of standing for Jesus Christ, worshiping God, and uh, going about the service of God and be free in doing it. Couldn't do it in some countries of the world. You'd be persecuted. But the devil does control many of the nations of the world. And he's a god of the world. He's prince of the power of the air. He is the literal god of the world. This is his domain. It's not going to be so long, but it is now. All right. Now then, don't get the idea because a man makes money and he's a successful man. Or because he gets up in a place of prominence, he's a successful man. Many men have reached the heights that died faith. Go back to history of the Bible, you'll find that true. But wait a minute. Now, God has a will for your life. There's a room that God's already fixed up for you. And uh, there's a door to the room. Now, whenever you start into the room that God Almighty has fixed up for you, that room swings, door swings on the hinges of opposition. Now, wait a minute. Sometimes the opposition is so great that nobody but God Almighty can open it. Now, notice a minute. 
when I spoke the other day on the church of Philadelphia, uh, we read about in the book of Revelation. He said, I've set before you an open door. An open door. I've done it. And no man can shut it. But God had to open that door. Now there are doors on the road of your life where you are going along the line of God's will that you couldn't open. And God opens them. But if you can't open them, God lets you open them. Now let's get that straight. God Almighty never does for any man what the man can do for himself. I'd like you to let that soak. I'm so sick and tired of people wanting God Almighty to be a waiting boy and wait on them all the time. I get disgusted with some people who call themselves Christians. They sit down and push a button and, and say, Come here, God. Uh, I'd like you to go bring me something. I know, listen, I know people in this country who are too lazy to work that call on God Almighty to pat them on their back in their rotten laziness. Think they're very pious people. Now, God Almighty will open the door you can't open. He's opened them anyone for me that I couldn't have opened to save my life. And nobody could have opened for me. God opened them. And I've seen God miraculously open doors. But if you've got a key to a door, and you won't use it, God won't open it if you can't open it. And let me tell you something. The hinges of opposition are not too strong for you. God will make you push that door open. Just remember that. This, there isn't one time in the Bible where God Almighty ever said he'd make it easy for you. That's the devil said he'd do that. That's not God. You know, we pulled down the standards of Almighty God in this country to the low level of our own human impulses and weaknesses. Won't have our way. Go my way. Do my way. I'll go in there now, Lord. I'm waiting. You're the doorman, aren't you? All right. Open the door. And you could just push open and go on in. I've had people say, I'm asking God to help me to get the money to go to college. Send it to me. When they go out and save some of their making and get down to good hard work, they could go to college. God Almighty gave you two good hands and gave you good eyes and good ears. And God Almighty gave you some legs to walk around. And you ought to walk around tender business yourself. Listen, the thing that's too easy for you, anything that's easy to get isn't worth having when you get it. You go along the road sometime and you look over the field and you see an old house. I've seen them on the farms of this country. Doors all day. Windows all knocked out. Everything wide open. You know why that house is open? There isn't anything in there anybody wants. That's the reason it's open. A house that doesn't have anything in it that anybody would have has no locks on the door. Left open. You go down here and try to get in the bank and see how you can get in there. Something down that bank most people like to have. You try to get in there some night at midnight. See how easy it is. Somebody out the door there. Maybe in uniform, night watchman. Go in there and there's a, a little... Door head unlock. Little door back there. If you happen to hit it and get to open, there's a bell rings. You've got a hard time getting in there. Something in there. Something that most people have a taste for. Something that most of us have an affinity for. And it's in there behind doors locked up. And listen to me. The thing that's easy for you to get, don't take it. It isn't worth having. When God Almighty opens a door... He won't let you have an easy time to get in there. 
Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? God Almighty never made these. You know the trouble with us, we've just sort of made a, a sort of a holiday a plan of conversion. And I was a young fellow, a fellow got saved at an old country meeting and met something. Wasn't just hold up your hand, take his name, go to it. We told God Almighty we were miserable lost sinners going to hell. We ought to go to hell. Weren't fit to be saved. Wondered how he could ever save us. And when the preacher tell us he loved us, we said we are too mean for him to love us. Then we got saved. After he explained to us that he loved us in spite of our sins. And you know, it was a Gethsemane when we were converting as a boy. Wasn't a picnic occasion. Wasn't a get-together, diluted, uh, laughing sort of a set-up program. It was a mourner's bench, crying, repentance program. And it meant something. There was solemnity about it. And we thought of the Christ that Jesus Christ paid on the cross he died for. Then after we got saved, God called us. The wonder of all the wonders is he ever called me. I was thinking about this morning as I sat in my office, how God Almighty ever called me. You know, I just still don't understand. I was out there in the country. I was convinced God wanted me to preach. Nobody else thought so, but I did. I was supposed anybody in the country to believe it. But I said, I'm called to preach. I want to go out and tell other people that God loves me and Jesus died for me. And I want to have a revival. <laughs> so I said, you know, I'm called to be an evangelist, but I never get any invitations. Nobody invited me. I asked myself to hold the first meeting. I went around and said, Bob, you a country boy. You want to preach, don't you? Yes. Call to preach, yes. Well, I called you to go out here in the woods and build a brush off. Nobody called me. I went to see a preacher, and he said, not interested. I went to see two or three people, and they said, you hold a meeting? Nothing doing. Found an old red-headed fellow out there in the country and asked him if he wouldn't help me, put up a brush off. Went out there in the woods and cut down some trees, put up some posts, built a brush off. That was the first meeting I ever had. Had it under against opposition. You know, I've learned long ago the greater opposition I've ever had to get in the community, the greater revival is. The harder it is to get in... The more opposition you have, the devil seems to smell a revive when it's coming his way. And he says, I don't want it. We organized a church there, that spot, with 54 members. 54 members. I don't know how it happened. But I do know one thing. I wouldn't let them stop me. And I do know the door swung on the hinges of opposition. And from that day till this day, God Almighty has made me push open doors. Listen, listen to me. If you can't open them for yourself and somebody on earth has to open them for you, you won't be worth anything to God and you get in. A man that can't open a door isn't any good when the moderator opens it for him. A man that can't open a door for God Almighty's work, some kind of a door to some kind of a room to some place of service, I wouldn't have him if I was a Methodist bishop. If I had to open the door. These ecclesiastical fellows say, Well, now you want a job, don't you? <laughs> I'll make it easy. All you got to do is come along now and go our way. I'll fix it up for you. Got a lot of churches I can get you in one of them. You know, I like to see somebody stop me. And God said, yonder's a door. But I say, it's closed. Yeah, I know, but 
You can get it open. There's a deacon out there that'll help you. There's a, there's a good old woman out there that can help you pray it open. She can put a prayer push against it. There's a young fellow out there in the country, he'll help you push. And if nobody else will help you, I'll be there. And if it's too hard for you to open, I'll open it. Oh, God Almighty, pity these anemic Christians in this country. These little folks that are so anemic and uh, sallow-faced and no red blood in them. These who are unwilling to go up against opposition, God Almighty never called. If he called them, he... They haven't got the stuff to go on. And Jesus Christ was here. He'd walk around and say, You want to be my disciple? You do? Yes, I'd like to go and kiss my sweetheart goodbye. I'll get somebody else. I'm more than sweetheart. Want to be my disciple? But I want to go home and spend the weekend with mother before I go. No. Nothing doing. Not going to be my disciple. I don't make it easy for people. You want to be my disciple? Sure, I'd like to be your disciple. It must be wonderful to be your disciple. Now, that's nice. Well, I'll tell you what I'd like to do, you know. I'd like to have a good vacation first. Take it easy a little while and have some. Nothing doing. Well, I'd, uh, I'd like to be your disciple, but, uh, you know, I got a father getting cold, and I don't want to go to the mission field. He dies. When he dies, I'll wait and he dies. I don't think he'll live long. Stay in. When he dies, I'll bury him. He said, if you're more interested in a funeral than you are in doing business for me, you just go ahead. Your, your brother that isn't a Christian can bury your daddy. Listen, listen, listen to me. Listen. Dead man spiritually can bury physically dead people. But you can't do business for God Almighty and be worth anything to God Almighty. Looking for a soft snap. This, that's exactly what's the matter with this country. That's what's the matter with the young people of this nation. We've told them that in the realm of the moral, in the realm of the moral, they can live as they please. And the folks in sin that live as they please go to hell always. You live as you please naturally. The only way you can live as you please and not fail is to please to live for God. When you get there, you're all right. Now, young people, don't fool yourself. Don't sit down. Don't don't kid yourself. Don't pat yourself on the back. And don't sit down and think about getting a nice church and a nice job in an easy place. Don't think about getting a position of teaching school in some nice town where you'll have a private bath when you... Uh, in the home. Don't think about that. Just think about one thing, and that is, God, I want to get in the room you have for me. The room you have. I want to get in the room that you have for me. God has a room for you. Wait a minute. Let's understand that. Let's clinch that forever. Let that get hold of you. There's a room out yonder that God Almighty wants you in. And you just tell God you want what he wants. You're not going to argue about it. If you come up to the door and you have to push, you push. Don't get discouraged. If it's, that's the room God wants you, and if you haven't got enough strength to open, tell God Almighty to help you. He'll push it over. He'll surprise you. 
Oh, I've seen God for over 50 years, open doors, open doors, open doors, open doors. For 50 years, there's never been a time in my career since I started that God hasn't opened a door. You know, I sometimes think I had the, a better training in the backwoods of southeast Alabama for the job to which God called me than I would have had if I had been brought up in the shadow of a university and had gone right through the greatest theological seminary in the world. I got something back there a lot of those boys don't get. Listen, it's all right to have all the cultural advantages and all the opportunities, but all of these things are no substitute tomorrow, backbone and real honest-to-goodness manhood and woman. The door to the room of God's purpose for your life may be locked to you now. And God may be giving you the key right here in Bob Jones University and teaching you how to use it so when you get ready you can walk up and open it. Now if you don't take your training to get the key, you're going up against that door someday and find you can't open it. And this door of opportunity in this institution was opened to you by Almighty God. If you're a surrendered person, just as truly as he'll open the mission field when the time comes to go to the mission field. And if God Almighty put you here in this place for this training, under these conditions, and for the kind of stuff we are drilling into you right here this morning, that's the kind of stuff that this nation needs and the Christian youth of America needs. And you'll find someday your time comes, the door's out, you're going to have a key. You say, oh, I got that key in Bob Jones University. <laughs> Thank you, God. I think I can open this door. But you get there and the door's a little rusty. And maybe you're not such an expert in the key. You say, God, I'm doing the best I can. I'm trying to open it. But, you know, I, I didn't get the key exactly right. I'm not a very ex good expert, you know. I wasn't as smart as some other fellows. But I think here's the door. And God Almighty says, well, I'll help you. Here's a way to turn it. And if a man lacks wisdom, let him ask God. When the emergency comes, God's right there for you. But if you're a lazy loafer here, and you don't make the most of your God-given opportunities now, don't stand up someday and say, Lord, send me to Africa for a missionary, or give me this job, or give me that job. Go on like most of the rest of them and look for a nice, soft seat somewhere. Nice salt place. The reason they're looking for soft places in the kingdom of God today is because most of them are soft just to start with. Something wonderful about doing a hard job. I look back over the years, the things that have happened in my life, that are the sweetest things to me now are things that were hardest for me. I remember one time I walked about 12, 14 miles as a country boy trying to get to preach in the schoolhouse. I'd heard of a little schoolhouse out there where they needed to meet, and there wasn't any church nearby. And I walked up there and found an old fellow out in the middle of the field asking if I could use the schoolhouse. He said, he's on the board. I was almost exhausted and hungry. And he said to me, no, I, we don't use the schoolhouse for that purpose. I stood there and talked to him a while and said goodbye. I guess he just thought I was nuts. Maybe I was. Went on over and found another schoolhouse. Asked who was on the board that told me, asked a fellow out there. He said, yes, you can. We'll let you have it. And I said, all right, I want to start a meeting now tomorrow night. And I walked all around in the community and asked him to come hear me preach. I said, a fellow named Bob Jones is going to hold a meeting over here. You want to come out tomorrow night. 
Went around, no telephones, no way to get out, no bell ringing, no newspapers. His shoe leather business. Listen, we spread the advertisement. And uh, some good old sister asked me wouldn't come and have something to eat. And I'd eat with him. Pray with him. Never forget as long as I live. Went back to the church that night and opened it and nobody asked me home with him. I was, by then I was about 16 miles from home. And I had to go somewhere. So I walked up to the fellow and I said, won't you go spend the night with me? He said, where do you live? I said, 16 miles from here. <laughs> well, he said, he said, I, I live a little nearer than that. I'm only a mile. Maybe you better go spend the night with me. <laughs> I said, well, it is a little closer to your place. <laughs> I went over to spend the night with him. Listen. As the years pile up, I don't think of the great campaigns in some of the larger places where thousands came. The sweetest memories that come to me are the memories of those days of struggle and hardship. Young people, listen, don't ask God to give you an easy time. Ask God Almighty to show you a room with a door wing swings on the hinges of opposition. Ask God for it. Say, God, get me up against a door like that and teach me how to open it! And don't make it easy for me, God. I want it hard. Because I'm told in thy word to endure hardship like good soldiers of Jesus Christ. You know Uncle Sam doesn't want to make it easy for these boys if he's enlisted. He'll run the daylights out of them. They'll get out of wind running around, running around. Uncle Sam wants to make it hard for him, not because Uncle Sam's got it in for him. But he needs soldiers that can endure hardships. And you're a soldier of the cross. I hope you might ask yourself the question, am I a soldier of the cross? A follower of the Lamb? The Lamb that hung on Calvary. Am I a soldier of the cross? Don't want anybody to tell you what to do. Want everything easy. I like to sing, and I just want to sing all the time. Well, you won't sing when the orchestra's playing on the battlefields. If you do, there won't anybody hear you when they're dropping atomic and hydrogen bombs around. Music won't, you won't, your heart may sing a little, but it'll be beating so fast you won't even hear it sing. <laughs> and God Almighty has a place for you. And a room. All I can tell you is it's a wonderful room when you get in it. Because you feel so nice and say, I'm where God put me. The sweetest feeling I've ever had in my life is to be somewhere and say, well, I sure feel wonderful because here's where the Lord put me. That's the reason missionaries are happy. That's the reason you can keep on keeping on against all opposition you have. Let's be faithful to it. Lord God, we do not ask thee for a room where we'll be comfortable and easy. We ask thee for the room of thy purpose for our lives. We do not ask thee for a door that's easy to open. We pray thee to give us the strength to open the door. And if we can't open it by any human effort, 
Then help us, Lord, by opening it yourself. It's not hard for you. There's no door that's difficult for you. So this morning we yield ourselves to you and trust you for guidance and leadership and power. And let thy will be done in our lives, we pray in thy name. Amen.